Life's an adventure, and it's waiting. Hi, this is Merrill Hodge. At ST Bank, they know life's for the living. That's why ST Bank offers solutions to help you get the most out of it. Whether you're investing in your home, planning for the future, or just making the most of every day, ST Bank is here to help. Learn how ST Bank can help you live the life you want at stbank.com. Member FDIC. ST Bank was ranked number one in customer satisfaction with retail banking in Pennsylvania by JD Power. For JD Power 2022 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Slipping away, sitting on a pillow, waiting for night to fall. Girl in a dream, sitting on a pillow. This is the night to go to the celebrity ball. Satin and lace, isn't it a pity? Didn't find time to call. Ready or not, gonna make it to the city. This is the night to go to the celebrity ball. We got a great deal of confidence in Boz. Obviously, he's been here and done it at a high level for a long time. But I got to compliment our, our snapper and holder, man. They're, they're new to us. And, you know, in some instances, new to pro ball, man. And they didn't blink either. Young Presley um, holding those balls in big moments. Uh, we're appreciative of, uh, of everybody involved, man. Um, you know, field goals, a snap, hold, kick. And so I'd be remiss if I didn't acknowledge the, the efforts of all three men involved. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Everybody, we open up the locker room, and it's a morning to celebrate. We are in the bye week. We are celebrating kickers. Yeah, we're going kicker right now. I think we need to, to celebrate what we've experienced over the first what, six weeks here, going in our week number seven. Max, I know that it's a little unusual for us to celebrate the kickers, but there's a time for the kickers to come front and center. Just like Fat Guy Friday, we're going to celebrate kickers today in the locker room. So we're, we're, we're dubbing this Kicker Tuesday? Kicker Tuesday. I like it. Okay. Well, you know, you know it's actually a funny thing? That I don't think you realize. Tell me a funny thing, because I here here's the thing I want people to know. You waited 45 minutes in the airport last night down in Phoenix to get your luggage. The fact that yes. you could, after all that travel, have humor and <laughs> after experiencing a 45 minute delay waiting on your luggage, I got to tell you something. I, I marvel at you, my good man. Oh no worries. Hey, it's the penance I don't mind paying on a weekly basis. To do what I do, so I so I'm I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So continue. We got Kicker Tuesday. You think about this. Now, back, if you want to, if we want to rewind just a little bit, we got Chris Boswell, the Wizard of Boz, yeah. as we like to call him. I also like to call him Traps because I saw him one time doing shrugs with a diamond trap bar with like 405, right? And I'm like going, God, Zooks, that's a lot for a skinny kicker. You know, I mean, that's, you, you think, uh, you know, the kickers, they're not they're big with shrugs. What are you, who's going to shrug? All right, you sit there and go, yeah, can you kick that? Yeah, I can. You know what I mean? You know, that's as much of a shrug you think that they, they do. Eh, you know, <laughs> eh, nailed it. <laughs> that's exactly it. Nailed it. Gives you, gives you yeah, this. Gives you that you, little, you, you, little, yeah. You got to hold this. Yep. Yep, the palms up. Once eh, again. You know. Yeah. But you look um, at this guy. Think about it. Go back to 2018 when he was 13 to 20, ooh. and everybody was saying, oh, we might have to make an adjustment here. Yeah, I took him off my fantasy team. Oh, did you? Not going to lie. Yes, oh. I did. Yes, I did. I know, because that's that's what the kids say. That's what the kids say. When somebody's struggling, oh, he's on the trading block. <laughs> But, no, the interesting thing I was going to say, the direction that Boz kicked, our final field goal, towards the, uh, towards the south direction. Right. Jeff Reed was in that section behind the net. Really? The lower part, front row. No kidding. He was How there. crazy is that? I, yeah. That's pretty good. Because, you, yeah. that, yeah. that, you know, that used to be a bugaboo um and you know i mean that that end zone there that that uh, bugaboo end zone more open right wind came in from that direction a little windage but since we got that beautiful champions club it's called a diverter <laughs> diverter baby <laughs> you gotta love that you know you look at this thing and it, you, you, we celebrate that but i remember going all the way back to that that 2018 year i was on the sidelines and in tampa and I remember John Norwig looking at the kicking net, and there's a, a foot slip. I got a feeling I don't know. I have no specific direct knowledge of it. But I remember looking at this plant foot um, marking the ground, and it was like it was, a, it was a pretty good slip. And things seemed to go south from that point on for Boz missing some kicks. And I always wondered if he, he strained something, hurt something, and then it created that sort of, I don't know, hiccup maybe in your golf swing. I'm not a golfer, so I don't really know. Uh, but you're a golfer. You were just out at the Kennedy yeah. compound out there, you know, hanging and swanky in high Port there. Yeah, it, and it, it, was, it was lovely. <laughs> but I don't, ha- I, I don't have what the Charles Barkley hiccups are. Oh, I know you've seen the videos of that. Yes, Chuck Barkley. He he may well be the worst golfer ever. Yeah, yeah. His practice swings, amazing. You put a ball in front of him, done. How was he in free throws? Did I, I mean, you know, some guys really struggle at the free throw line. What yeah, was no, Barkley was, like? He was know? a good shooter, huh? Especially under pressure. But it's the it, there was a little ball. <laughs> The little ball scares him. <laughs> with the with the, the, the little motor skills, you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it, exactly. That, that, that could be problematic. Because there's no power involved. <laughs> and Charles was a power player. Okay. Right? Played right. power forward. You know, the harder he exerted, the more success he had. Not in golf. <laughs> 
you know, I I can't even conceive because I can't. La- I really can- I have no place to laugh at anybody because I when I when I come out to golf, I the one that scarred me was Michael Mike Webster had a um, spina bifida tournament out at Sunahanna, which is a big course out you know out uh, Westmoreland County or somewhere out there. Uh-huh. So. I go out there and I'm in this group, right? So part of my group includes this 82 year old year old country physician. I mean, he still used to go out and make house calls. That's just how old this guy was. So there we are. You got the television crews. It's at the first tee, you know, and you got the local TV station. They're like filming everybody. So I come up, you know, and and of course you get at that point in time, you know, as a player, um, you're sitting there and you're going, all right, everyone's going big hitter. Oh, big hitter, right? You come up, well. The 82-year-old guy watch is, is Craig just sitting Wolfley there looking at me, right? Knock the horn. And I come up there, and I, uh, <laughs> I spank one, like, just past the women's tee. I mean, it's, it's, it really, it was shameful. It was humiliating. It was self-degrading to have to go and, you know, explain, oh, wow, that was bad. You know, but so then the 82-year-old guy gets up there, and he takes out his two iron, and he goes like a buck 75 straight as an arrow. I mean, just... You know, just lays it out there. He walks up to me in his little five foot two frame, you know, and he looks at me and goes, All that weightlifting, and what can you do with it? Nothing. <laughs> oh, he little, just shamed me. He shamed old me so men bad. On the golf course are the worst hecklers. I think I lost you, Max. We lost. Oh. Uh, yeah. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, there you are. Okay. I'm here. I can hear you. Okay. There you are. No, I was saying, little old men are the worst hecklers on a golf course. Because <laughs> it's like the one time with the little bit of strength they have left, they can pick the club up, they can bring it back, and push it forward. <laughs> and it's that easy. It's literally like, uh. He and we get up and we're like. Arrow, buddy. We're, and we and we get coiled like a snake on the back end, <laughs> and we're like, "I'm about to strike," and all that power comes out, and then just fades off into the yonder, also known as the rough, trees, hazards, anything you don't want to hit, anything but straight. <laughs> the, only, the only thing I will tell you is that the hunk of sod I dug up went further than the ball did. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, that's that, that's happened. No, I was at Russ. I was at Russ's tournament one year. Okay, out there in Scott Township, for his uh, he does the YMCA tournament for a number of years. And I get up on the tee box. Everybody's looking at me. I'm like, I gotta kill this. I gotta kill this. I gotta kill this. <laughs> I hit the ball, and it went backwards. No, they they marked it. It was the shortest drive hole, <laughs> and they marked it on the tee box. No, and, I, and I, I got shortest drive, shortest drive maybe ever. Oh my goodness, that's how embarrassing that was. That oh. would be that would be rough. There's no doubt about it. Think about it. We got our man, the Wizard of Boz, out there. He's now 11 of 12 this season. He's uh, he's. Made all his extra points. He's three for three for over fifty, oh, anything over fifty yards. He was three for three against Seahawks, including 
Think about this. You know, we got a minute and 30 seconds left to tie the score. He drills it from 52 yards. You got a 37-yarder in overtime. He drills it from 37 yards. I look at that, and then I look at the the center, Christian Kunitz, right? Christian Kunitz is, is a rookie. Presley Harvin, otherwise known as Elvis. Uh, Presley Harvin uh, comes through with a great hold, all three of them. I, I'm, I'm, like, amazed because I think about my nerves. You know, you talk about teeing off on a little golf ball. Think about a football firing back, and you're on a knee, and you got to put that thing down knowing and get one finger on top and get the laces away and tilt it just right so your man has got a chance to boot it through from 52 yards. I don't know, man. I, I think I fold up like a cheap, uh, cheap card table in that event. Well, I think of Ace Ventura. <laughs> I, you know, it was like laces out, Dan. <laughs> and I'm like, man, just get the laces out. Just get laces the laces out. out. You, you don't want Finkel becoming Einhorn on you. You know, uh, I think of that, and I'm like, every time I see a holder, I'm like, laces out. Just get the laces out. Just get Everything the laces out, good. man. <laughs> and, well, and, and especially when you think of, here's the other thing. Chris has been the sure thing, and what has been. Over the last couple of weeks, the worst pandemic of kickers. I mean, we look at that Cincinnati Green Bay right. game. Right. Good point. How bad do you would you have not wanted to be a kicker of any position on the field during that game? Oh, absolutely. Mason Crosby, Evan McPherson, oh. missing field goals left and right. I mean, so it, it's like you you take it for granted when you have a guy who's who's automatic, who a guy who has put the bugaboos of what three years ago behind him where he missed seven field goals because normally you miss seven field goals you're gandhi yep adios. bye 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 adios yeah, amigo go, go become a yoga instructor <laughs> you're gonna pull uh, ricky williams yeah exa- exactly just go on the beach and put your fingers together how, how long hum. do you think ricky williams went before he realized that being a traveling yoga instructor wasn't quite didn't quite make the money that a running back for the in the nfl would make Oh, oh! It had to have been after a month. You look at your bank account, and it's not growing. <laughs> it's only getting lower and lower. You're like, mm, this might not supplement my. Maybe non last day means no more money. I think that's what yeah. it means, huh? No month day. <laughs> no month day. No <laughs> yeah, month day. No month day. <laughs> well, we celebrate our man, the Wizard of Boz, Chris Boswell. What a great uh, beginning he's had as we go into the bye week. That's one of the things to celebrate because. You know, you look at this, uh, we, and we'll be back with more. we got Bob Labriola coming up in the next segment, which is everybody wants to, to jump in on. No. But the thing is, we celebrate whatever we can going into the bye week because that's what the bye week is about. It's about to look back, celebrate the things that you can. You want to get your mind affixed to moving forward. But by golly, when you got the Wizard of Boz, when you got Presley Harvin going out there and dropping a 56-yarder on – on uh, you know the the Seahawks in overtime, pinning them down at the fifteen, and you got your center Christian Coons coming out there doing the job, both snapping for the field goal and the kicker, um, and nobody had any yips, any nerve uh, jump up, and you know have those moments where you're going to end up uh, you know Fraser Crane on the on the couch and getting uh, you know talking to a psychologist or something. Uh, so I celebrate them. Nothing blocked. Nothing, Nothing blocked. blocked. That's a mark, of a, that's a mark, of, mark of a good long snapper, right? That's he true. He got it back there fast enough. 
and everybody else had enough time to execute what they needed to. So that's always a positive. You know, because I, I, I think of Papa Doc, Chris Gardaki. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, Doc never had a punt blocked in his career. And so I think of that, and, and I'm like, okay. And he, he was a one-step punter, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah. And so, so I think of that, and he's like, hey, the ball has to get back to me so I can get it off. And as long as the long snapper's good, I'm good. So to the Mike Schnecks, the Greg Warrens, and now the Christian Kuntz yes. of the world. I, I mean, and I'm sure there was the kid, what, Kennedy, I think was the one. Yeah, was Cam Kennedy, yes. In between, also. yeah. I, I wasn't here for him. That's why I can't say his name as easily. But, uh, you know, hey, that's what you got to do. That that's the, that's the charge. Nobody remembers anything else, but I will say this. Kuntz also is a great punt cover guy. True. As well. He's always in the fray. He's always in the mix. So he's not just there snapping and getting out of the way. He he is an active combatant when it comes to special teams. Yes, he is indeed. All right, let's take a break because also wrapping this up, remember that there's one nickname for all the snappers. Downtime. Because <laughs> 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 they got a lot of downtime. All right, yes, we'll be do. back with more. That's Wolf Starks and the Ninjas in the locker room, ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Life's an adventure, and it's waiting. Hi, this is Merrill Hodge. At ST Bank, they know life's for the living. That's why ST Bank offers solutions to help you get the most out of it. Whether you're investing in your home, planning for the future, or just making the most of every day, ST Bank is here to help. Learn how ST Bank can help you live the life you want at stbank.com. Member FDIC. ST Bank was ranked number one in customer satisfaction with retail banking in Pennsylvania by JD Power. For JD Power 2022 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. With Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We are moving along now because we've got the the great Bob Labriola here. From he's uh, editor of Steelers Digest. He's a historian of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He is a game day contributor, a great friend of the show, and just a great guy overall. Labs, how you doing, my friend? Well, I, Wolf, I think my blood pressure has finally gone down from that Sunday night game, <laughs> and I'm capable of uh, I'm capable of conducting some business with you guys now. You know, I got to tell you something, Labs. You know, when that game was unfolding in the last seconds, and and DK Metcalf is within three inches of the sidelines, and all of a sudden you see this whole unraveling of I don't know the officials. Of the players, I mean, DK, all he had to do was step out of bounds to stop the clock. You know, what was he thinking? The official, I don't know. I go over that labs. 
please make some semblance about what we witnessed down the stretch there. Um, <laughs> I got nothing for you. I mean, I've always, I, I believe, no, I believe for a long time that, um, you know, NFL officiating is arbitrary and inconsistent. And, uh, you know, just save that clip right there. Anytime anyone wants to argue that point or asks you about that, just run it. Because um, I, I don't know if anybody knew what was going on or anybody knew um, what the right thing to do was. And, you know, I'll always go back to, you know, what Chuck Knoll said in 1985 when replay was first introduced. We're standing up at St. Vincent. It was during training camp. Uh, and it's uh, we're standing out in the sun, and Chuck is talking about it, and you know he's voicing his um, I won't say disapproval of it, but you know he he was not a proponent. Let me just say that. And right. Someone said to him, "Well, you know the purpose of replay." One of the uh, media there said, "Well, the purpose of replay is to get it right." And Chuck looked at him and said, "But what if it doesn't?" Mm. And that's what mm. we see. What if it doesn't? And so that, to me, was another one of those situations where, you know, every, I'm not doubting everyone in, involved in this had a pure heart, you know, but um, they're human beings. And I, I just, I've not seen enough in 35 years now, I guess, of doing some quick math in my head, that replay fixes more than it, that it either doesn't complicate or just messes up. So, um yeah, DK Metcalf could have got out of bounds. I think Freddie Swain could have got out of bounds too. Good point. After he picked up the ball, so uh, in my mind, uh, there's no, there was no uh, justification for Seattle to be complaining about the clock should have stopped. They had two different players with an opportunity to do that, and they didn't. Um, and you know, I remember the last time Seattle was at Heinz Field. I think it was, I don't know, 2018, 2019, whatever it was. But that was the year where that ill-fated, you could challenge pass interference. And, um, you know, Pete Carroll challenged a play in the fourth quarter, and I believe Pete Carroll is one of uh, the league's favorite sons. Um, he got a call that it was, it was amazing to me. Um, and the Steelers ended up losing that game. So I think Pete Carroll has a voice that is listened to and, um, you know, that was on their sideline. Who knows? Uh, you know, mm. again, I'm speculating. You asked me to try and explain this, right. and I don't think I'm doing anything more than complicating it. Um, but, um, you know, as I said to start, I got nothing for you in terms of a <laughs> definitive explanation, justification, or anything. Um, you know, thankfully, um, T.J. Watt did his thing, and then Chris Boswell did his thing. And we're not talking about this in context of a defeat, but um, yeah, I uh, and I don't even know if we'll ever find out. You know, if there was a mess up, who messed up? Uh, if there's punishment for that individual or what? Yeah, it, it's funny how there's never you never hear of any repercussions, or you never get the the referee report card, right? You know, right. you know, that that would be something to see, like, hey, what do these referees grade out as um, after the game? Because we <clears throat> we know there's a propensity for certain refereeing crews 
like what was it um when we were in green bay we knew that that refereeing crew you know averaged more penalties than everybody else they tossed a lot like you know you you know those type of things like they're going to call a tighter game and then you have other crews that are less likely to throw flags i wish there was a way that you could show their efficiency and grading so you kind of know that these guys miss this more often than not or these guys great extra hard on this and we there's no metric there's metrics and analytics for everything else labs but there's nothing for the referees either you know just just from the eyeball test like we can see how many flags they average in a game because you see the penalties accepted right easy one to count but we have no metric to know how good or bad they are against certain situations um against and that would be something i think as, as coaches you'd want to bring that up um, to the league. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that that has been done, but I don't think the league has any interest in that. You know, what you, what you need is they don't. you're familiar with pro football focus, right? Their yeah. grading system on players. Okay, it, that, that's amazing to me that pro football focus doesn't know what the play was called or if it was an audible or, you know, whatever, what the, what the uh, center may have checked to in terms of a protection or something. Um, you know, once once the uh, snap count started, but they're going to grade the offensive lineman, uh, grade the quarterback. They they give grades for all that stuff. Well, hey, do that for the officials too. Grade them, you know, uh, based yeah. on the rules, based on uh, whatever. But I, as a, as I said, I don't believe the NFL has any interest in that kind of thing. And if they do, they certainly have no interest in it becoming public knowledge. Mm. Uh, because I remember the one year to me it was it was comical. Um, I think it was Roger Goodell was still the commissioner at that, or was the commissioner already at that point. But when they came up with some ridiculous stat like we reviewed all the officiating calls over the last season and they were right ninety eight percent of the time. Are you kidding me? Seriously? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that doesn't pass the stink test. Ninety eight percent of the time. I mean, come on. Um, so, uh, it, you know, uh, to, to quote a, you know, famous ex coach, it is what it is. Uh, and as I said, the only, the only it, it's good for guys in your business. Seriously. I, and I don't mean that, you know, right. in a derogatory way or anything, because that's all anybody wants to talk about. Right. Uh, and rightfully so. Um, but, uh, I, I don't, I, I just. Um, and there was a, oh, the, did you guys watch the game last night? The Julio Jones catch? I missed that. Unfortunately, okay. yeah, I missed that one. Yeah. Okay. The one that bounced off the helmet, there was an official on, on the side. I guess it's a side judge or back judge. I don't know what they are. And he's standing, I swear to God, five to six feet away from it, right on the sideline. And he blew the call. Ooh. He blew the call, you know, inbounds, out of bounds. Did he get his two feet down or not? And, you know, and again, if if you, like Gene Steratore said on DVE, um, uh, the Joe Hayden, Minka Fitzpatrick field goal block. Mm-hmm. You know, Gene Steratore made the point that, you know, this is the NFL, and if you're an NFL official and you got fooled by, you know, the, the, um, the bleeding of color, is the way he referred to it. Right. You know, when you're watching to see who's off sides or what, you know what I mean by the bleeding of color. Oh, I got you. Okay. If you got fooled by that and didn't see the ball move first, you shouldn't be officiating at that level. And if That's you're true. standing five or six mm-hmm. feet away, 
from a play on the sideline, and you don't see or can't see or miss whether the receiver got two feet in bounds or not because, you know, on an NFL sideline, that white stuff, what's that, two, three feet deep? Right. It's not like it's a little yeah. thin line like in baseball. So if you can't do that, you shouldn't be, be doing that. Um, but, you know, I've given up any uh, hope of it ever getting fixed or uh, there being enough interest in changing it or making them all full-time, and I don't even know if that would do any good. Uh, my first is they're too old. Mm-hmm. If you have to have 10 years in high school and at least 10 years in college before you can even become an NFL official, that puts you in your mid-40s probably. Mm. At best. Uh, that, that, that's, if right? you, that's if you decided to go straight into that as a part-time job. Right. And so what I'm saying is, Okay, let's make it. Let's make it serious. Uh, you could train <laughs> quarterbacks are starting in the NFL right out of college. Correct. I, I can't believe that you can't take some, you know, give them tests and you know physical aptitude and all that stuff. Take people in their mid twenties, and in five years, you can't teach them to become uh, an NFL official. I mean, you could become. Uh, Wolf, your son, Army Ranger? Yeah. Okay. How many years before they he was an Army Ranger and they're sending him into combat? Right, right. You need you need 25 years of experience before you can officiate an NFL game? Right. I mean, come on. It, 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 the world doesn't run like that. Well, um, so. Absolutely. And full disclosure, by the way, he did not serve with an, a Ranger force. He earned his Ranger tab. Which is okay. the equipment, you know, but that's like going through the whole thing. You go through the college, you learn everything like that. But he ended up serving with the uh, 82nd Airborne. But, um, okay. but still, you know well, what I'm saying? saying. He's, he's yes. like you said, very ready to roll. Right, exactly. If they wanted him in the Rangers, they could have called him and he would have gone. Right. Right, after he got his patch. Right, no doubt Which, about you it. Know, and you're going into combat. Your life and other people's lives are at stake based on your ability to do what they trained you. I mean, uh, so I can't imagine that uh, five or six years of training, uh, you don't know not to get fooled by the bleed of color on a, on a field goal attempt. You know, Labs, I've never heard anyone else approach this from an age-definitive orientation. You know what I mean? Saying, hey, you know what? Age-wise, why are we putting 40-year-old guys out there who are already starting to slow down because I remember my 40s, uh, <laughs> I was slowing down yeah. through the, the, you know, the, the, the middle part of the 30s into my 40s. Um, yeah, you're exactly right. That, that's interesting. I did not really think about that. Well, here's, keep... here's another thing. In the NFL White Book, which is the yearly record and fact book, and they took this out many years ago, but I remember this was in the 80s or whatever. In the back, they would have a glossary uh, of all the officials. Now, they would tell you where they went to college, their number, their position, all that, and couldn't find their age, okay? But since it's, uh, I think it was Max who brought up, it was a part-time job. Right. They would put your full-time job, what you did, uh, next to your, it wasn't really a bio, but your little information uh, box or whatever. And I remember looking through that. There were had to be at least five, maybe ten, guys who were retired. Retired. Mm. From whatever job they had, they're retired, but they're out there running around with some of the best highly conditioned athletes on earth. Mm. 
I mean, I, an umpire's where they are. Right. You know, where they're standing. You know, you're, you got a retired whatever school teacher or whatever standing in there. Wow. <laughs> who's, thinking, yeah. what's, who's at the meeting when they're sitting around the table and they all go, yeah, that's a good idea. I like that. <laughs> Oh, you know that that is so true i just never thought of it in terms like that i mean i wow well labs i want to thank you so very much for coming in this is a that's a lot to chew on you think about yes there you can manifest extreme changes in officiating just by changing the way you approach it not making these arbitrary mandatory 10 years you know in high school 10 years i mean Good heavens. I mean, we got guys that are flying F 16s that take less right. time. Yeah. Right. That's, you know, they're, they're not only um, holding their life, you know, in their own hands, but the lives of others. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know. Um, okay. But yeah. that's just me, Wolf. Nobody listens to me except you guys. Well, and you only listen. You only listen to me, so you don't have to talk so much. <laughs> I love listening to you, brother. That is the truth. And there's a lot of other people that do. So thank you, Labs. Appreciate you so much, man. Thank, thank you so Bob. much. Happy bye week, fellas. All right, brother. Take care. And, of course, that's the great Bob Labriola. Oh, I think he's got a lot more people listening than he ever even begins to know. But thank you, Labs, for joining us in the locker room. Max, you and I will be right back after this. I hated it. Uh, I cannot believe that game was stopped or confirmed catch, no catch um, in that moment. That's all I'm going to say. It was an embarrassment. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks, presented by your neighborhood Ford store on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome back, everybody. It's Wolf, Starks, and the Ninjas in the Locker Room right here on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. And I got to tell you something, just listening to Mike Tomlin talk about it, he practically bit that off at the end. I mean, Mike is not one to wantonly, you know, go into the venture into those areas where, you know, that you can run afoul of the NFL front office and, you know, say something and, uh, you know, regret it later when the NFL office finds you for talking about officiating, such as Mike Tomlin just did there. But, you know, I don't think. Mike and Mike is one of these guys who's got great self control, but even he couldn't quite bite it off at, 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 before it jumped out of his mouth that it was an embarrassment to the NFL, to the officials. Yeah, no, well, and, and here's the thing like, it takes a lot to get Mike T like worked up about, about some stuff like that. So it had to have been bad, but I remember, you know, 
the earful he was giving the officials when they called the T.J. Watt penalty. Oh, yeah. Yes. And, and he was giving it to – and then – to then have a similar situation at the end of the game in overtime after a fumble recovery, and you had DK Metcalf similarly doing the same thing. Right. That's when it's like there's the hypocrisy, right? Yes. Uh, and, and, and so, yeah, you're going to get fired up, especially when you knew that could have cost you a game. Oh, yeah. Like, if it, you know, and, and, you're, and you're just condoning this activity, so now it looks like you're against us. I remember when, what was that, back in – I think it was 2008 or nine when flags were the emphasis, right? That was when it was the no fun league. You couldn't right. do celebrations and everything. And we were getting hit. I mean, every, every Tuesday when you came in the facility, there was a stack of FedEx envelopes. Oh, of guys getting fined, you know, and remember, and remember it was so bad. Remember James Harrison, remember, yep. you know, James was coming out and he was like, Hey, listen, th- this is, this is BS. And, these are legal hits, and and then they and then they just continually kept fining him um, the entire time, um, and so so that that's where it's like it's like we have a target on our back, like because of the brand of football that we play. You are you get more, you know. I feel like it's like hack a shack in the NBA, right? <laughs> where it was like Shaq's Shaq's so much stronger than everybody else, so he's going to get fouls, you know. That aren't he's they're not going to call him for fouls when he gets beat up a lot unless right. it's like blatant when he's shooting, but th- he's also going to get called on a lot of things that are natural movements for him. I feel like that's where the Steelers are when it comes to like st- like referees come in with, with a preconceived bias when they cut, especially at home games for the Steelers. Mm. Like they come in and they're just expecting that they are going to be a penalized team for doing things unnecessarily, right? And everybody that gets hit by them is going to be a victim. And I feel like that's how they look at the Steelers since then <clears throat> because of that type of precedent that was left. And as Labs el- elaborated on, since you have to have 20 years of prior experience, that means when you get in, you never get out. So a lot of those refs from back then are still there, and they're probably looking and still feeling some type of way when they come into Heinz Field. And it's unfair. It's right. The bias is unfair because you could literally shift the outcome of a game based on how loose or how tight you call it one way or another. And and that, and, and that that's all you want in games, right? We play this game because we're like, we want just transparency, right? Right. If you, if you call it this way, call it this way for everybody. Don't make an exception to the rule because of the person or the team Call it by the letter of the law and be consistent with that letter of the law. Now That's here, all you can ask for. Exactly. And now this is the part that I thought Bob really brought out was, look, you know, if you're having trouble because you're in your late 40s, 50s, and you're starting to have maybe eyesight issues, or if, you know, I remember being down on the sidelines and seeing the referees from time to time, some of them, you got knee surgeries and stuff like that from, uh, you know, things that uh, happened earlier in life. And you can't quite get in position to make the call. You know, I mean, think about it. You're with some of the greatest athletes on the face of the earth out there, some of the highest-priced dudes who make their living because they take such magnificent care of their bodies and performance. Uh, When you have guys like DK Metcalf at 6'4", 235, running a 4'3", 340, uh, 
when you're like 40, 50, 60, you know, out there and you're trying to get in position to be able to make a call because, you know, you can't quite keep up with the play because your angle has got to be fairly specific according to where you are posted, uh, that does lead you to have a little, uh, you know, be a little bit uh, questionable, shall I say, in some of your judgment calls. Yeah, yeah, you, you can't be too proud to ask for the LASIK surgery. Yeah. <laughs> or, 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 or a knee replacement if you can't get along and you got too much of a yeah. hitch. Exactly. Well, and, and I think that's the other thing is that what's the fitness test for referees? Oh, yeah. Imagine if they had a fitness test. That would be something. Ooh, huh? huh. That's huh? a what? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what, what's your one-mile average? Okay. What's your endurance? Do a v- hey, they do a VO2 max on, 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 a- on athletes to see if they can uh, – they, they can cut it, right? What, what's your anaerobic threshold? What about referees? They're out on their feet the entire time. They're running around the entire time. They need to be in shape. Because, hey, remember, the umpires back in the day were just big, burly guys that weren't really mobile. They were like former linemen, I, especially I remember in college. Right. Uh, the umpire, it was a, it was a big dude that, that was usually the umpire. And that was back when they stood in the middle of the defense and had to try and get out of the way, and they would get tangled up left and right. Oh, yeah. I'm like, you know, where is the fitness accountability for those guys and the vision accountability for those guys? They should take an eye test every year and determine how good their vision is. I mean, because if you're determining the success of billion-dollar franchises, right? think about that. These are billion-dollar franchises that's predicated on making more money based off of the success of their teams, right? The, yes. the games they win and lose. You can't sit there and use the minimum for 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 these guys. You can't you can't you can't do a shoestring budget on how that is. So I believe, you know, when you look at those accountabilities, fitness and vision are the two biggest things you need for a referee outside of knowledge. Right. But you've got to have all those things hand in hand. It can't be he's greater at one versus the other the other two. You need to be equitable in all three. Well, we're going to be equitable and getting out of here and shutting down our first hour here. <laughs> That's right. Our three segments, we're done. <laughs> yeah. Until the next hour. Then we got three more. And we thank you there for joining is. us. We'll be more in the locker room here with uh, myself, Starks, and the ninjas uh, in the locker room right here. Life's an adventure, and it's waiting. Hi, this is Merrill Hodge. At ST Bank, they know life's for the living. That's why ST Bank offers solutions to help you get the most out of it. Whether you're investing in your home, planning for the future, or just making the most of every day, ST Bank is here to help. Learn how ST Bank can help you live the life you want at stbank.com. Member FDIC. ST Bank was ranked number one in customer satisfaction with retail banking in Pennsylvania by JD Power. For JD Power 2022 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. 